Hi, my name is Dr. Steve Ferrucci. I'm the Chief of Optometry at the Sepulveda VA, as well as a professor at the Southern California College of Optometry in Los Angeles, California. And today I'm going to be presenting a case uh, diagnosing retinal vein occlusion, managing RVO risk factors. Keep in mind the risk factors for RVO's retinal vein occlusions include hypertension, hyperlipidemia, uh, diabetes mellitus, mainly for CRVOs, uh, arteriosclerosis, and ocular hypertension or open angle glaucoma. Risk of RVO is greatest in those with RVO in the contralateral eye. So having an RVO in one eye really is a signal that you might have it in the contralateral eye as well. Patients with unilateral BRVOs have a 10% risk of developing bilateral RVO in three years, and CRVO, there's about a 7% risk. So here's our case. This is our patient, 73-year-old male, presents with decreased vision in the left eye for two weeks, ocular history type 2 diabetes for multiple years without retinopathy, medical history, again, type 2 diabetes for about 11 years. His last A1C was about 8.7, so that is elevated. Uh, in a perfect world, we'd, we'd like our patients with uh, diabetes to have the A1C less than 7. In a somewhat imperfect world, we can live with less than 8, so that is elevated. He also has hypertension. Meds, metformin, hydrochlorothiazide, prazosin, and vardenafil. Um, again, he presents with the decreased vision in the left eye. You can see his vision in the right eye, 20-20, left eye, 20-50. Uh, pupils equal round responsive to light and accommodation, no APD. Intraocular pressure 13 millimeters in the right, 14 millimeters in the left. Slow lamp exam, trace NSC, no NVI, and you'll see why that's important in a second. Uh, fundus 0.5 cup to disc OU. Uh, OD looks essentially normal, everything looks fine, uh, no diabetic rhinopathy or anything like that. Left eye, sectoral dot blot and flame shade hemorrhages in a superior temporal quadrant. He also appears to have macular edema in that left eye as well, which is probably explaining his decreased vision. So here you can see his fundus. Again, right eye, perfectly normal, 20-20. Here you can see his left eye, 20-50. And you can see all those hemorrhages in the superior temporal quadrant. Here it is on a, on a little bigger picture in a wider field of view. Uh, and I think you know the, these um, wide field views and any type of wide field camera that you might have are super ways to look at the at the retina and the you know, back of the eye in general. But again, sectoral dot blot and flame shaped hemorrhages in the super temporal quadrant and macular edema in the left eye. And obviously, this patient has a branch retinal vein occlusion. When you have a branch retinal vein occlusion, very often if you sort of look where the area of hemorrhages is and you kind of trace it back. Uh, to the apex, you can usually sometimes see the exact area of compression. Uh, and if you really look closely on this, in that area right at the apex of the hemorrhages, you can sort of see that. Here's his OCT. Um, he does have macular edema as we suspected, and certainly OCT is one of the best ways, if, if well it is the best way, let's, let's face it, right, to look for macular edema. So here he has macular edema in the left eye, central retinal thickness 470, so you can see it very clearly on the OCT. And here's again on the heat map, and you can see it again, all that red is indicating uh, edema as well. So our, our assessment is he has a branch retinal vein occlusion in the left eye with concurrent macular edema. Uh, the differential includes diabetic retinopathy and hypertensive retinopathy, but, but really this is such a classic presentation for a branch retinal vein occlusion that, that I add that differential, but you know, really, it, it really is very classic for BRVO. It, it has that sectoral appearance. 
um, you know, kind of all going back to one, uh, one uh, vein that got sort of occluded. So it really is pretty, pretty classic for a BRVO. So I include the differential, but it, it's not really a great differential to be honest. Diabetic retinopathy, you know, we'd see it in both eyes. It would probably be, be a little more scattered throughout the eye. It wouldn't just be in one sector. Same thing with hyper, uh, hypertensive retinopathy, right? We'd see it in both eyes, and it probably wouldn't be in just one area. It would be scattered throughout the whole eye. So branch retinal vein occlusion, left eye, macular edema. Plan, uh, check the in-office blood pressure, right? And it's always a great idea if you see these vascular things, if you can check blood pressure in your office. Um, not all of us can, but it, I think it's a great idea. So we check it on the patient, 125 over 82. Um, that's, you know, slightly elevated, but it's pretty good. You know, again, 120 over 80 is sort of considered perfect blood pressure, if you will. So 125 over 82, not bad, slightly elevated. Um, last A1C per his chart was 8.7, again, a little bit high. We're gonna refer him back to his primary care doctor for optimization of diabetic, uh, his A1C, his diabetes, as well as other risk factors like his blood pressure. Uh, we're all gonna send him to our retina clinic for anti-VEGF consideration due to his macular edema. And then we're also gonna have the patient come back in three months. So I do like to have patients come back and see me if I'm gonna send them to a retinal specialist or a glaucoma specialist or whatever, I, I do like to make them an appointment in a couple months to come back and see me so that I can follow up with the patient, I don't lose the patient, and I can make sure that they actually went to wherever I recommend they go. So I sent them over to the retina clinic, as I mentioned, the retina clinic agrees, branch retinal vein occlusion uh, with macular edema, and they recommend serial anti-VEGF injections uh, for the macular edema. I also, as I mentioned, sent them over to the primary care doctor and they agreed his you know, A1C 8.7 a little bit high, so they're, they're adjusting his diabetic uh, medications in order to get tighter A1C control. And they also recommend a telenutrition appointment. You know, telehealth these days is very, very popular uh, at my clinic as well as other clinics. So they recommend that, get his diet a little bit better, which in the long run will help out his, his diabetes and his blood sugar control. Uh, the patient came back. Uh, about six months later, so it didn't make my three month, but he was in retina clinic for a while getting some injections. His A1C is now 6.3, so went from 8.7 to 6.3 with a little adjustment in his meds. Best corrective vision in the left eye is now 20-20. And you can see here in the OCT that when he came back to see us, you can see that it's, it really looks very, very well. Unfortunately, I don't have a color photo, but on the color photo, the, uh, the, the hemes were all resolved. And you can see here that he has no macular edema. Again, his vision's back to 2020. So we're gonna see the patient again in six months, continue to monitor him. As we mentioned, if you have a BRVO in one eye, there's a, about a 10% chance you can have it in the other eye. So we're gonna monitor that. Also, he is diabetic, so we're gonna recommend you know, yearly diabetic eye exams. So just a couple key points that I wanna make uh, on this case. Uh, this patient has multiple risk factors for vein occlusions hypertension and diabetes being the main two that this patient had. And those are generally two of the, the more uh, serious or more significant complications that I think about when I think about vein occlusions. Hypertension, diabetes, always top of my list. Uh, we referred the patient over to the PCP to help optimize those systemic risk factors. We referred the patient over to the ret retina clinic for anti-VEGF consideration. 
I always like to make an appointment with the patient in an appropriate time, in this case three months, to close the loop so I know that the patient doesn't get loss of follow-up. And with this particular patient, he actually responded quite well to treatment. The macular edema resolved with appropriate treatment and his vision improved. And now we're just going to monitor this patient on a probably yearly basis to make sure that everything stays nice and healthy. Thank you. Hi, my name is Dr. Steve Ferrucci. I'm the Chief of Optometry at the Sepulveda VA, as well as a professor at the Southern California College of Optometry in Los Angeles, California. Welcome to my case presentation, Diagnosing Retinal Vein Occlusion, Sudden Vision Loss. So keep in mind when we go through this case, I just want to, uh, I'll be talking about uh, retinal vein occlusions, in this case, a central retinal vein occlusion. And here's a couple signs for central retinal vein occlusions. Acute signs include retinal venous dilation and tortuosity, dot blot or flame shade hemorrhages, cotton wool spots, and sometimes also optic disc edema and macular edema. Those are the acute signs. Chronic signs include venous collaterals at disc or area between the profuse and non-profuse retina, sclerose vessels, telangiectatic vessels, optic disc retinal and iris neovascularization, vitreous hemorrhages, and local tractional retinal attachment. Those are later signs. You typically don't see those on first presentation. So our patient JB, 68-year-old male, presents to the clinic with sudden decreased vision in the right eye for approximately a week. He's a patient known to our clinic. His ocular history includes, includes primary open-angle glaucoma, both eyes, for about the last seven years or so. And he's taking, I can never pronounce this medication, Nersudadol. <laughs> I see, I, I told you I couldn't. 0.2% uh, each eye at bedtime. Medical history, hypertension, hyperlipidemia, but no diabetes. He's also a smoker for many, many years. Uh, meds, you can see them there, a statin and deltaism, as well as his glaucoma med. Uh, here's his exam, 2050 in the right eye, which is the eye that he's noticing his decreased vision, 2020 in the left. Pupils, again, equal round to uh, round responsive to light and camp accommodation, no APD. Interocular pressure, 17 millimeters each eye. On slit lamp exam, he's got a mild cataract and no NVI. Uh, fundus, point, about a 0.75 cup to disc OU. Again, he is a glaucoma patient. No ocular, uh, no optic nerve head edema, but he does have scattered hemorrhages about 360 degrees in the right eye pretty much normal in the left eye. Also, we suspect he has macular edema in the right eye on clinical exam. So here you can see his photo. Again, right eye, 2050. And you can, I think, appreciate those scattered hemes, mainly dot blot hemorrhages, pretty much 360 uh, all around in that eye. He does have macular edema, but obviously on a, on a two-dimensional slide, it's hard to tell. Uh, left eye, 2020, looks relatively normal. Nothing too exciting going on there, except again, about a 0.75 cup to disc. Here it is on a little larger view. I think you can really appreciate again, all those hemorrhages uh, all over the place. No optic nerve head edema. Sometimes with a central retinal vein occlusion, you can get optic nerve head edema. This particular patient does not have that. Here again, on, on a wide field view, I really love some of the wide field images that we can get with some of the newer cameras, because you can really see uh, you know, a big portion of the retina really helps you with your diagnosis as well as to make sure you're not missing anything in the retina. 
Uh, here's his, his um, OCT, and you can clearly see that the patient has quite a bit of macular edema as well, which is probably responsible for his 2050 acuity. And there's his left eye for comparison, and that looks essentially normal with a nice foveal pit, no macular edema present. And his central retinal thickness is about 613, so that's quite a bit of edema, quite frankly. I would actually expect, with the central retinal thickness at 613, I would have expected his vision to probably be even uh, more reduced than 2050, but it doesn't always correlate like you think. Uh, just another view of his OCT. So the assessment in this patient is a non-ischemic CRVO in the right eye with macula edema. There's really two different types of CRVOs. You get ischemic and, and non-ischemic. You know, with the, with the ischemic, uh, sometimes they, they call those you know, blood and thunder type retina appearance. You get more flame-shaped hemorrhages, you can get cotton wool spots, and often you have optic nerve head edema as well. The vision's uh, usually more reduced in ischemic CRVOs. Uh, we usually think 2200 or, or worse. Um, that's why in this one we say a non-ischemic, because his vision's good 2050. Um, he's got the, the dot blot hemorrhages, but not a lot of cotton wool spots. He doesn't have optic nerve head edema. So we assume it's non-ischemic. In order to technically know, you would have to do uh, a fluorescein angiography, but based on the clinical appearance, it, it's probably a safe assumption it's non-ischemic CRVO. Uh, differential diagnosis, ocular ischemic syndrome, diabetic retinopathy, and hypertensive retinopathy. Again, those are somewhat low on my list, um, especially diabetic retinopathy and hypertensive retinopathy. And you know, you certainly can have asymmetric disease where one eye can be worse than the other, but the, the difference, I mean, his left eye is essentially normal. You know, it's unusual to have such a large difference. So those aren't high on my list. Uh, ocular ischemic syndrome uh, is on my list of differentials. Um, that tends to present with, with more mid-peripheral hemorrhages. Um, I don't think you'd see quite as many hemorrhages as this. Um, generally, it's not as, as an acute uh, symptomatology, and you generally would not get macular edema. So it could be OIS. You also might get reduced IOP in that eye. So it could be OIS. It's on my list, but not that high, quite frankly. So I'm really pretty comfortable saying we have a CRVO in this patient. Uh, again, I like to check the in-office blood pressure anytime a patient presents you know, with, with a vascular issue, especially a vein occlusion. Uh, we check in, in the office 152 over 89. That is elevated. Uh, we would like in a perfect world the patients to be around 120 over 80. Um, sometimes you know, up to even 140 is okay, but after 140, um, we start to really you know, worry about the blood pressure. So this patient needs to have that addressed. We're gonna refer him over to his uh, primary care physician for optimization of his blood pressure, as well as any other systemic risk factors that might be playing a role. Uh, we're gonna send him over to the retina clinic for anti-VEGF consideration. Uh, the other issue is, I mentioned earlier, uh, primary open angle glaucoma and ocular hypertension is a risk factor for CRVOs. His pressure was around 17, so I, I might think about adding a second med uh, in the future, but I wanna take care of this issue first. And again, I'm gonna have the patient come back in about three months to close the loop, and again, I, I do wanna look at his pressure and see do I need to add a second medication. I refer him over to the retina clinic. They agree with the diagnosis. They recommend serial anti-VEGF injections due to the patient's macular edema. 
I also refer him over to his primary care doctor with a, with a little note and they are gonna alter his meds to try to get his blood pressure under better control. They also recommend a telesmoking cessation clinic, which we have at my clinic. Uh, and they decided to get a carotid. Um, I don't always get carotids with vein occlusions. Artery occlusions, I usually will get a carotid. I don't always with vein occlusions, but it's not a bad idea. They ordered one. Interestingly enough, his right eye, which is the eye that has the vein occlusion, was perfectly normal, but they actually found a stenosis, 70% stenosis, in his left uh, internal carotid artery, which is kind of interesting. Uh, they sent him over to the vascular clinic, and they're considering uh, an endocterectomy uh, in the future if they haven't decided quite yet. So I think some of the key points on this case is this is a patient, like many of our patients that have vein occlusions that have risk factors. Uh, this particular patient had hypertension, as well as glaucoma, as well as a history of smoking. Uh, we're gonna refer the patient over to his primary care doctor to help optimize the systemic risk factors, such as his hypertension and potentially quit smoking. Uh, we're gonna refer him over to the retina clinic for anti-VEGF consideration. I'm gonna have the patient come back and see me in three months to close the loop. This patient I've not seen back yet. This is a relatively fresh patient. I've not seen him back yet, so I don't know how he's gonna do. But I hope with a couple injections, his vision will get back to normal. Thank you so much.